Today, turn over to the book of Hebrews, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. As you're turning there, I want to uh, just uh, let you know a little bit about our friend day. You see it mentioned in the bulletin there. Uh, it's going to be a big day. We're excited about that day, and uh, I've been working hard to make that thing happen. And uh, so uh, there's a couple of things I want to remind you of or tell you about. First of all, when we start talking about friends, excuse me, my neck's a little stiff. When I sing, sometimes it gets real stiff. I could use a chiropractor if you're out there. But anyway, uh, you come up here and give me a massage while I preach. But anyway, um, that friend day, sometimes we think about a friend and we, we kind of eliminate a lot of different people that we could invite. Well, I want you to know that we want to bring friends married. I'm, I have three M's for you, married. You, I hope your wife or your husband's your friend. Okay, they ought to be, okay? So you ought to bring your friend your friends, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're married. You're, if you're married, that's your friend, okay? Then friends made. You need to bring friends made. Friends that you've made through your lifetime, friends that you've made along the journey of life, those kind of friends. And then you need to, you need to bring those friends you've met. Say, what do you mean? Well, if they're friends, then they're, no. You know what I'm talking about, those acquaintances, those friends that you run into at the grocery store that you don't see any other time, or maybe you're going through the line or the checkout counter, and you've begun to talk to them, you've passed out a track, you've invited them out, maybe you've got a little rapport with them, you stop to see that lady or the guy at the bank, and you've, on a regular basis, you're kind of running into them from time to time, and you kind of develop a relationship, you know, friends met along the way. So friends married, friends made, and friends met. Let's pray, we'll d dismiss. That sounds like a good three-point outline, doesn't it? So I want you to bring some friends with you, and it doesn't have to be just somebody you've called a lifelong friend. We're talking about your husband, your wife. We're talking about friends you've made along the way or friends you've even just met out and about, acquaintances, those kind. And then we're going to be having some gifts and some incentives, just some things like that for you that sign up or enlist people. We'll be giving you some things like a friend card here soon. Probably by next week you'll get one. You'll be able to start working on a prospect list as well as uh, check off whether or not they're going to be coming after you've invited them, those kind of things. Uh, we'll have a new series, a new preaching series that's going to begin on the 23rd of September as well with our friend day. So those that you invite will hear a brand new ser uh, sermon series that'll kick off and then it'll, I trust, inspire them to come on back the next week and the next week after. And uh, like I say, we'll have some invitations for you as well. And so a lot of different things will be going on here. Starting next week, you'll begin to receive some things in your hand that will help you for Friend Day on September the 23rd here at Community Baptist. And we want it to be a big day. And so we want it to be successful in reaching people with the gospel as well as encouraging believers that are unchurched to get back into church where God can really begin to work in their life again and encourage them as well. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning verse 27. We're going to read two verses this morning. Two verses, and then we'll move along here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Again, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and salvation. Years ago, I was introduced to a game called life. You may have played it yourself. It was all caps. Capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E. You can tell I went to school. Life. 
It was a Milton Bradley game. It was created in 1860. And then 100 years later, the modern version was released in 1960. The game basically simulates a person's travel through life. It goes from college right on through retirement. Along the way, you know, you have various jobs or you get married, maybe even have children. It's the game of life. I played it as a child and I continued to play it as I entered into adulthood and even having my own children, we've played it ourselves. We have the game, I believe, even now at the house. I haven't played it for probably a good year or two, but I would play it on a regular basis and we enjoyed that game quite a bit. Now, if you lose the game, you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing. You just start over and you play again. Get another shot at it. I want you to know there may be a game called life, but life is not a game. There may be a game called life, but life is not a game. Today I want to preach a simple message I've entitled, If Life Were a Game. If Life Were a Game. Let's pray and then we'll come, we'll move forward. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We're grateful, Father, for the time that we have in this place. Not long, but Lord, certainly I trust it will be profitable. Lord, I beg you now to speak in and through me. Lord, may I be your mouthpiece. May you stand in my shoes and may I be filled with your spirit. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace. And I ask, Lord, that you would just guide my lips, my tongue. Lord, may you be with every listening ear, and may they be responsible to hear. Lord, with that hearing, may they truly allow it to seat and set up deep in their heart, to take root, to produce ultimately attitudes and actions that will better them as believers and enable them to overcome in this life, to be victorious in their Christian life. Father, we love you, and we're asking for your leadership. And Lord, if there be those in our midst that have yet to settle 100% whether or not they'll be in heaven with you when they die, may they settle that issue as well. We thank you, Lord, for life. We ask as we look at it today that we would be aware of what we're really dealing with. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. If life were a game, I mean, if life were a game, We could say a number of things about it. Again, it's been some time ago, but I used to love to play pinball. It was kind of like this. It was about the same size, you know, and some of you know what I'm talking about, pinball machines. They're not as popular today as they used to be, but even now I think you can find them at certain places. But the object in pinball, obviously, is to rack up as many points as you can while keeping the ball in play. You hold on to those flippers and, you know, you got a little spot for flippers and and, uh, you'd jar that machine every time you'd hit those flippers. And what you'd try to do is uh, you'd try to jar just enough so that it would kind of increase the action of the ball within the, uh, the, the, the game. At times, if you weren't careful, if you weren't careful, you'd, you'd jar it too much. And when you did that, what would happen is, I mean, I knew guys that would actually put their hip in it like that. I mean, it was an art, you know, it was a skill. And if you, if you jarred it too hard, if you, you pushed too hard, 
You did what, it, what would happen is it would tilt. And this word would come up on tilt. T-I-L-T, tilt. And you're like, man. What you'd have to do then at that point, the ball would fall down. You, your flippers wouldn't work at all. You'd lose that opportunity. And from that point, the ball would drop down in. And then, then a lot of times, it, earlier on, I'm talking about a few, quite a few years ago, you'd just hit that button again, like a reset button. And it'd go, and the ball would jump up there, and you're ready to start playing again. See, if you tilted the machine... If you messed up the game, then you just hit the reset switch or the reset button. And you're back at it again. I mean, if life were a game, you could push a reset button. I remember growing up playing checkers. How many of you ever played checkers? Yeah, it's still a popular game, right? Checkers. Those little round things, you know, you try to get back to the back king your own, you know, get your guys all kinged and all that. I mean, checkers was a lot of fun, but I'm going to tell you, in my household, it was very stressful. <laughs> now, you got to understand, I hate losing. I've always hated losing, and I, I took it pretty personal when I lost. And I, I, I mean, bragging rights were at stake, and everybody knows that checkers are basically a metaphor for life, personal success in life. If you're good at checkers, you'll be good at everything. Right? Well, that's what I thought growing up. And I wasn't about to be anything but a winner. So from time to time, in the heat of the battle, and when it seemed that I was going to lose, I would accidentally bump the game. Cause those pieces to kind of go everywhere. Just accidentally. All right, so maybe I planned it a little bit by sliding the corner of the board over there and it would go, oh, oh. There they went all over. And of course, nobody can remember where all the pieces were at that point, except my brother Ed, who's now a PhD teaching doctorate courses in Georgia, but he remembered every single place. He'd never let me get away with that. I couldn't stand it. It'd make me so mad. If life were a game, all that would be at stake is our pride. I mean, if it were a game, you could get a do-over. If life were a game, not only could you push a reset button, not only could you get a do-over, but you could get a second chance. Well, I know what you've heard through life, but I promise you this. When you close your eyes in death, you don't get a second chance. I, uh, I viewed Monopoly like a microcosm of life. Same old thing. Everything I played almost reflected on me personally. And if you were good at Monopoly, you'd be good with money, and that meant you were going to be successful in life, right? Well, that's how I thought. It didn't help that my dad took it more serious than all of us. He'd never let any of us win. It didn't matter if we were four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen. It didn't matter. He would never, ever let us win. Ever. Some of you guys are like, that's being a bad parent. Well, I don't know. To each his own, I suppose. 
We let kids win too easy today. Life's really not as easy as they think it is anymore. And then as soon as their boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with them, they want to take and end their life. I can still remember when we were over there playing that Monopoly game. and I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I took it extremely serious. And we'd have such fierce games. I mean, they were so fierce that my mom would beg us to stop. Beg us. Would you please quit? Just stop playing, please. And she'd almost be in tears. It's terrible. You knew my mom. She's very kind, very considerate, very loving, very nice. But she'd be over there crying, please stop playing. Quit that game. You guys are, you're, you're going to get in a fight. Oh, uh. She'd freak out. I'd be throwing a fit, my brother would be throwing pieces, and my dad would be crying. <laughs> it was an ugly scene at the O'Donnell house, I'll tell you that much. And I, and I may be exaggerating slightly, but I'll be honest with you, it's not awfully too much. I, it was pretty close. Park Place, Broadway, those were my boys. Give me Park Place, Broadway, and two hotels, I'm going on to victory. I'd try to wheel and deal, and I'd try to get those hotels up. I mean, I did everything I could. And again, I hated losing. Fortunately, I'd, I'd get a number of chances in my lifetime. I'd win, I'd lose. See, when you lose at Monopoly, you just need to start a new game, and you get another chance. See, if life were a game, you could push a reset button. You could get a do-over. You could get a second chance. But life's not a game. There's no reset, do-over, or second chance. You get one shot at it. One shot at it. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. One shot at life is all you get. You know you only get one shot at being a spouse? You get one shot. One shot at loving each other. In Ephesians 4.32, the Bible says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You got your spouse now, here you are today, and you're, you're seated with them possibly, or maybe they're at home for whatever reason. Let me tell you this, you got one chance. You close your eyes in death today. What you were as a spouse is all they'll remember. There's no come back and get a second chance. There's no opportunity to love them all over again. If you didn't love them this time around, it doesn't matter. You won't get another chance to. The Bible says be kind one to another, tender hearted. I'm, I'm convinced that the better part of love is just being kind. I believe we'd just be kind to one another. We wouldn't say such harsh words if we wouldn't be so negative and so critical of one another. I believe, realistically, that our marriages would be much better and we could definitely, definitely reflect the love of Christ better. You get one shot at loving them. One shot at loving each other. One shot at learning about each other. You get one shot. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 
Dwell with them according to knowledge. The truth is today is that many times we don't even know what the needs are in the lives of our spouses if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we live separate lives. We're two ships passing in the night. The reality is, is that God intended that us that we would learn about one another, that we'd know one another, that we'd recognize needs in lives. Get one shot at learning about your spouse. I've been at funerals before, and maybe it wasn't a spouse, but I can still remember hearing people say things like, I wish, I wish I would have known them, or taken the time to get to know them better. And I think to myself, how many wives, how many husbands have been in the same boat, and as their husband or wife lay in that casket, think to themselves, I wish I'd have taken a little more time to know them. You say, well, that's impossible. You live together. There are people that are living together, and that's about all that it is. One shot at loving each other. One shot at learning about each other. One shot at laughing together. In Proverbs 17, 22, the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth like a good medicine. You had any good medicine lately? It accomplishes something. Makes you feel better. Laughter makes us feel better. A merry heart is good for us. It's like medicine to our soul. You want your marriage to survive this fast-paced and pressure-filled life? You're going to have to have a sense of humor. You need to be able to laugh together. When I was growing up, I'd hear my dad say things like, "If if I wasn't laughing about it, I'd be crying. You've heard those things, haven't you? If I couldn't laugh about it, I'd be crying right now. And I'm like, that's the weirdest statement in the world. I kind of understand what he means now. See, difficult times are to be expected, but laughter can alleviate that pressure. It can alleviate the pressure that so often crushes us and leaves our lives in shambles. We need to laugh with each other. You know what? You only get one opportunity to do that in life. A fellow by the name of Bob, he was telling his friend that he and his wife were in a serious argument the night before. But it ended, Bob said. It ended when she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. What did she say? asked his friend. Bob said, she said, come out from under that bed, you coward. (laughs) You ought to be able to laugh. You've got to be able to laugh. Man, sometimes we're so burdened in our our stress-filled lives today, it seems that if we're not careful, we we wear our, our, our stress on our sleeves. Man, I know I get stressed out, and I know sometimes it's hard, and we're right at that edge all the time just waiting to boil over, but the fact is today is that we've got to learn to laugh with one another. We only have one shot at it. One day you'll close your eyes in death. There's no reset button. There's no second chance. There's no do-over. Oh, I wish we'd have laughed more. I wish I wasn't so serious. I wish... Too late. Too late. You get one shot at living together. Now, you can't live with someone and not get annoyed at them. There's going to be things that are going to annoy you. That's just life. We're not... We're different. 
Uh, you know, uh, why in the world, you know, you know, Brother Hamlin is always saying, at least in the tent meeting, he was like, you know, my wife's nothing like me. I didn't want to marry somebody like me. Well, guess what? I would go crazy if I married someone like me. I drive her crazy. But anyway, I couldn't take it. I want somebody different, somebody that compliments me and I can compliment them, not somebody just like me. I want her to like everything I like. Really? White socks? Dress shoes that look like this? She'd look kind of funny in those. I really like your hairstyle. You wouldn't look too good in it, sweetheart. I want her to like some things different. I want her to be unique. I want her to be her own person. We get one shot. Maybe they leave the toothpaste all over the sink. Maybe an empty orange juice carton back in the fr- uh, put it back in the fridge. Maybe they press the snooze button a thousand times before they get up and turn it off. That'd drive you crazy. I wasn't talking about your mother. I heard some guy, I think he lives with his mom. He just said that, no. Possibly they never put the toilet seat down, ladies. Wait, guys. No, ladies. (laughs) I'll get it straight sooner or later. Maybe they don't ever use a clean knife for the butter. Or double dip their fork at mealtimes. Hmm. Are you kidding? Oh, I know. Could it be, ladies, that they always miss the laundry basket when they're pretending to be Michael Jordan with their dirty socks? Three, two, one. He scores! As it falls off to the side. Hey, listen, successful couples learn to overlook the minor annoyances. Oh, I know, you can read these new books out there today, and you can talk, let's get on the blogs, and if something annoys you, you need to address it, or it'll turn into a big blowout. You know, some things you just need to let go and quit making such a big deal. Everything's a big deal to everybody nowadays. If it ain't my way, I don't like it. My way or the highway. Man, learn to live with things. People aren't going to be like you. Things aren't always going to be the way you want them. And some of those little annoyances are things that you better learn to appreciate in the sense of diversity versus just, you know, division. Man, learn to deal with some of those things. Who cares? Man, she comes over and gives me a big hug and a kiss and I feel like a million bucks. Whatever. Who cares about the toothpaste being squeezed the wrong way? Do you understand what I'm saying? But those socks are always beside it, never in the hamper. He brings home a paycheck. He actually works a job. Is it that big a deal? You do it for the kids. He's just a bigger one. You get only one shot. You get one shot at it. Listen, you get one shot at being a spouse. When you arrive at the judgment, how will you have done? Not only that, but not only you get one shot at being a spouse, but you get one shot at being a father or mother. We get a shot at it. You get a, you get a shot at it. Life, life's not a game. 
You don't just push the reset button. You don't just get a second chance. You don't just get a do-over. In Psalms chapter 127, turn there if you would, please. Some preaching is preventative. This is preventative. You can't go back and redo the past. Again, you can't hit that reset button. All you can do is today be the parent you can be today. All you can be is the dad, the mom you can be today. You know, you can't go back and be a different spouse. Maybe you're on a second or a third marriage. You can't go back, but you can be the spouse you're supposed to be today. There's no reset button. And when your life ends, what you are and how you're known is who you'll be. It's time that we recognize that this is not a game that we play. And when it comes to our children, where we are today is where we need to begin afresh and anew. If we've not been exactly what God would have us to be. Psalm 127.3 says, Lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children in the youth, of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. When's the last time you heard somebody say how happy they were that they had a bunch of kids? It's usually the people that have a bunch of kids. Nobody else thinks they're happy. You ever notice that? We live in a society today that says if you got one kid, you're good. If you got two, that's all you need. God says, no, that's not how it works. God says it's a wonderful thing to have a number of children. If you can't have children, God chooses not to allow you to have children. That's one thing. You can take some of these children under your wing here and make an impact in their life and have your own kids right here. There's kids and children in this church and in that bus ministry that need some mommies and daddies and grandmas and grandpas. There's plenty of opportunity to be that mom and dad that maybe you aren't biologically. But let me tell you something today. There's nothing wrong with having more than one kid. I remember when my grandma found out we were going to have our third kid, she went, Are you crazy? What are you doing bringing another child into this crazy world? Like, but Grandma, you had two. I know, and that's enough. And if you had two kids, you kind of feel, probably, not always, but it's kind of funny how you kind of feel like however many you had is the, just the right number. If you had three kids, you think three's good, four's a little bit, five's out of the question. <laughs> you, you know how that goes, right? But God's talking here today, and he's saying that, really, the children are a heritage. I mean, they're a blessing. He goes, they're heralds in the hand of a mighty man. So are children of the youth. Happy is the man that had his quiver full of them. Now, obviously, if they're not behaving, he's not very happy. But that's his responsibility and his wife's to ensure that they are. And they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak in the, with the enemies in the gate. Children are a wonderful thing. I love my kids. I'm so happy. I had four. We tried to have more. Could not. It's a wonderful thing. I love children. And you know what? You have one shot to experience them. One shot to experience them. I'm getting to that point. My youngest is now a senior in high school. It's amazing. I had my first when I was 13. But... (laughs) So maybe not. But anyway... The fact is, is that it was, it's a wonderful thing, but you have one shot to experience them. You have one shot to, to be at the birth of that child. One shot to see them take their first step. One shot to hear them say their first word. One shot. 
You got one shot to experience them, but you have also one shot to enjoy them. That's it, one shot. One shot to share in their life. I, years ago, a song came out. I, I, um, I have a copy of it. Let me read it to you. Some of you will certainly remember this song. Very old song, back in the 60s, I believe, early 70s maybe. It was called Cats in the Cradle. A man by the name of Harry Chapin wrote the song, performed it. Every time I read it, I cry. I hope I don't. I did just a moment ago when I went through it. But listen to the words of this song. Because I believe, although it is not a scriptural out of the Bible, there's a lot of scriptural truth here. Listen to what it says. It goes like this. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. He was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I know I'm going to be like you. The chorus says, in the cats in the cradle on the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, we'll, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. He walked away, but his smile never dimmed and said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, I know I'm going to be like him. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, gets me every time. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. You have one shot to enjoy them. One shot to play ball, one shot to take a, a basketball and shoot a, through the hoop. You got one shot to take a walk through the park, one shot to get an ice cream together, one shot. Oh, you don't have to quit your job and spend all your time with your kids. No, if you got a good wife at home, she's letting them know that daddy's at work providing for the family and that he loves them dearly or he wouldn't put in all those hours. But let me tell you something. You don't have time to yourself when you have kids. When you do get home after that 12-hour day, you make sure you spend an hour with them. You make sure you spend some time out in that, that parking lot playing the basketball game or that you sit down, maybe even spend a little time doing something with them. I wouldn't suggest that you watch television as your time of leisure. I suggest you do do something where you can actually 
actually communicate and talk and involve yourself with them. I say take a walk around the block and go out to the park and roll around in the leaves. Work together maybe. Go clean something or work on the car together. Whatever it might be. I don't care if they're girls or boys. They need to learn how. Man, enjoy them while you've got them. Because it's not going to be long you're going to blink and they'll be out of the house. One shot to experience them. One shot to enjoy them. And do you laugh with your kids or do you come home and think, man, these toys are everywhere. My kids are going crazy. And I remember coming home a number of times. And I'd hear those kids maybe, and it wasn't all the time, but every once in a while they'd be fighting and scratching each other, so to speak. And I'd think, you, I come home. I didn't want to come home to a bunch of kids screaming and yelling at each other or chasing each other around trying to hit each other with a, a plastic bat or something. Your kids never do those things. But you know what I think? Thank God for those kids. Man, that's fun. Hey, hey, hey guys, knock it off. Come on, let's go outside. And get out there and play. Maybe just 45 minutes or an hour and a half, and I'll, I'd go back out on the road. Listen, what a wonderful thing it is to spend time with those little kids. And as they grow older, they're still just a blessing. I love taking my kids out now. I like it even when my wife's not around. I like being with my kids. Man, I tell you what, we need to understand something, that you have to experience them and you have to enjoy them. You get one shot at it. You get one shot to equip them. One shot to equip them. This especially became very real to me over the last five years. As my children began to grow into those later high school years, my oldest did, I realized something. I only have so much time to equip them for life. Time's running out. I likened my job. I'd talk to my wife about this. I'd say, you know what? It's kind of like our children are ships at the dock. And we're loading cargo for a long journey. And we're trying to fill them with character and integrity. We're trying to give them morality. We're trying to put the right cargo on the ship while it's docked. Because there's coming a day when they're going to sail off on their own. And I'll have no more influence like that any longer. Oh, I'll still be able to maybe send a message to them and say, Hey, be careful, there's there's an iceberg out there. Take a right or take a left. But what I have inserted into them is what they will have the rest of their life. One shot at it. You're frustrated to tears, Mom, Dad. Your children aren't maybe responding like you'd like them to respond. Let me tell you, don't give up on your kids. Realize that there's coming a day when they're going to take that journey, that flight, and then what you have loaded in them, what you have instilled in them, what you have given them is all they're going to have the rest of their life to travel on. One shot to equip them. See, you only get one shot being a father and mother, and then finally, you only get one shot at being a Christian. One shot at being a Christian. One shot at being saved. One shot to be saved. That's it. You got one shot. It's in this life. In Luke chapter 16, turn over there, would you please, as we prepare. We got just a couple very brief things and we're going to close, but notice what it says here. Luke chapter 16. 
If life were a game, there'd be a reset switch. You get a second chance. You get a do-over even. But life is not a game. No second chances. Well, I know somebody's sitting out there going, yeah, it's funny because God's the God of second chances. Close your eyes in death and then tell me how it works out for you. Tell me if you get to come back and be a daddy again. We don't believe in reincarnation. I don't find it in the Bible. You, you, you Listen, you die and what kind, of, what kind of husband you were is what you'll be remembered as. You don't get to come back and do it again. A redo. And listen, if you don't close your eyes already a Christian, if you haven't already taken care of that business, there'll be no opportunity once you've closed your eyes in death. Luke chapter 16, notice what it says here. And by the way, reincarnation is a lie from hell. Just thought I'd let you know that. I'm a little bit perturbed about Christians who won't stand up and say that's junk like that, philosophies like that, ideologies like that, are straight from Satan. There's not one evidence, one shred of it in the Bible. You do not get reincarnated. You do not come back as a frog or a tadpole or a side of beef. As I grow older, I may resemble them more often than not, but I don't come back as that. The Bible is still God's word and it is true. You get one shot at life, that's it. One shot to be saved. Luke 16, notice what it says here. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Well, it started in 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, verse 19. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by, Ab- by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between you and, excuse me, us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. What is he saying? He's saying, Listen. If you don't settle this heaven and hell issue before you close your eyes in death, you will be in hell. And there is no crossing over to the other side. There's no second chance. Friend, listen, there is, I take no pleasure in saying it, but the reality is, there is a hell. Nobody, I wish to God there was no hell. I wish there was no hell. That moms and dads and Babies and brothers, I take that back, not babies, but our children as they grow up make a decision. No baby ends up in hell, mind you. But where our family members and our loved ones and our friends end up, I wish to God there was no hell. But there is a hell. And if you don't settle your salvation while you, have, while you are in this life, you will forever be separated in a place called hell from God. 
That's all there is to it. You got one shot. You say, well, I got plenty of time. Do you know that? Are you certain? Can you say that without a doubt? No, you can't. And neither can I. You got one shot. You got one shot to serve Him. One shot. Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all, said, For I am now ready to be offered at the time, and my time of departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Paul said, listen, man, I have lived the Christian life. I got saved on that road to Damascus, and I've been serving the Lord Jesus Christ ever since. Now it's time for me to go. I'm going to pass from this life on to the next, and I'm ready to leave because I have fought a good fight. I finished the course. One shot, Paul. That's all you got. Ma'am, sir, one shot. That's all you got. You say, I, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I believe I'm saved. I remember the time that I've accepted Him as my Savior and Lord. I meant business with God that day. But I don't have time to serve, and I, I don't have the inclination to serve. I don't have the ability to serve. No, my friend, you have one shot at it. If you close your eyes in death today, there'll be no coming back because there's no reset button. There's no second chance. There's no do-over. One shot to be saved, one shot to serve, and one shot to succeed in the Christian life. Oh yeah, you can succeed or fail in the Christian life. In Luke chapter 16 again, in verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust The true riches. And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? He's talking about the millennium. He's talking about how we as believers will are ultimately are ultimately preparing for that day. The fact is, is that this life right now is preparatory. What you do in this life will be reflected in the next. And, and what you share in your life and how you give in your life and how, you are, how faithful you are to God and to that which He entrusts into your watch care, this kind of steward you are, will determine how much responsibility you get in the future in that day when we rule and reign with Christ. If life were a game, You could push a reset button, get a do-over, or get a second chance. But it's not, is it? It just isn't. There's no reset, no do-over, no second chance. And, I mean, this is it. This is it. See, life's not a game, and once it's over, it's over. I think the older we get, the more real that becomes to us. I think every, with every passing year, once you get about 40 and over, you start to think about those things. You start to ask yourself, what is life going to yield in the future? What am I going to leave behind? 
I mean, what will my life amount to in the end? How will I impact and how will I influence the next generation? If there's a wise young man or young lady, they've already begun to think about that. They thought about that while they were young and they remembered their creator in the days of their youth. That's what the Bible says they ought to be doing. We got it backwards today. We view our time as growing. I'm 10, I'm 12, I'm 20, I'm 40, I'm 60, I'm 80. We view our time as growing when in reality we should view our time as running out. There's nothing wrong with celebrating birthdays and giving God the glory for the time that he's entrusted into your watch care. No problem with that. But with each passing year, we should be ever more aware that the end of our life is ever nearer. See, I kind of look at our lives like time bombs. You know, you've seen them on shows, you know. You got the little screen there and the clock's ticking down. Time bombs don't start at zero and run up. They start at a number and run down. And you're going, oh no, oh no, oh no. Only one more minute. Only 50 seconds. Only 40 seconds. There's only 30 seconds left. Only 10, 9, 8. Sniff the wire, sniff the wire, sniff the wire. Do you know that's what your life and my life is? It's like that bomb ready to go off. Time's just dwindling. Click, 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 click. Time. And when you run out of time, and you don't know when that'll be. See, that's the real bad thing, isn't it? You don't get a heads up even. It just happens. So you have to be ready all the time. You have to live your life realizing that you only got one shot. One shot at being that spouse. One shot at being that mom or dad. One shot at being that Christian. Because once your time runs out, that's it. No reset button. No do-over. No second chance. Because life isn't a game. When it ends, will you be lost or saved? When it ends, you'll either have been a good or bad husband or wife. When it ends... You'll either have been a good or bad father or mother. What's it going to be? You say, I've made a lot of mistakes along my journey in life. Stop right now. Start going another direction then. See, God's more worried about how your journey ends than he was how it began or how it was. I know that may sound crazy to you, but that's how God sees things. It'll be amazing to you when you get to heaven one day what God will do for those who turned it around before the end. 
I'm not saying that you won't have missed out on some opportunities. Of course you have. But hold on. I'm saying that you can stand before God right with Him. And right with others. Start today. Are you saved? Or are you lost? Listen. One way or the other, your life's going to end. Somehow, sometime, someday. You only get one shot at this. Make sure you settle it today. Don't leave here without knowing Christ as your Savior. Don't leave here without knowing for sure that heaven's your home. And don't leave here today unless you've been the parent, the father, the mother that God wants you to be. Unless you're the spouse that God wants you to be today. Let's settle those things. Because life isn't a game. Because if it were, it would be a reset switch. Second chance and a do-over, but there isn't. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you'd help us now to be very aware of these realities as we face this time of invitation, this time of reflection. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd just be with our, uh, those in the midst of our crown today. Lord, there may be someone in our midst that has yet to decide or to settle whether or not they're saved on their way to heaven. Maybe they want to have that settled and they have yet to do it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to begin right there with that thought. Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Do you have it settled? Are you 100% for sure? Listen, you can know. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know. You don't have to guess and you don't have to wonder. You can know. Not because I say so or because that's what our church would say. No, it's because that's what God's Word says. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. You can become the child of God today by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is there anyone in the crowd today that would say, Preacher, today I can't honestly say that I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have that settled. I don't know that for sure. Could you pray for me? Please pray for me today with an uplifted hand. I'll pray for you. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure heaven's my home. Just put it up, put it down real quickly. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, in just a moment also, let me ask you this. Maybe, maybe there's some areas that you need to tighten up as far as your parenting. Maybe you haven't enjoyed your children like you should. Maybe too often they just seemed like a burden. Maybe you're not equipping them like you ought to. You're not filling them with their religious training that they need, the moral training. You're not giving them the character, the integrity that you feel you should. You're not spending the time you need to to be a blessing to them and a help to them. Maybe you just feel that you'd like to be better at it. You're doing what you can, but you want to do even more. Maybe as a spouse, you're not quite what God would have you to be, or in your mind you could do better. Let's settle some of those things. Then maybe we should take care of it in an altar today. Well, I know it's easy to stay at your seat, but... The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart today. Why don't you take care of some things? Sometimes it solidifies decisions by coming forward. Okay, I don't know for sure if I'm on my way to heaven. You raised your hand. In just a moment, we're going to give you a chance to come forward as the music begins to play. Right now, I'm going to pray for you. Father, bless now those that do not know for sure heaven's their home, have yet to receive and accept Christ and settle their salvation. Lord, may you just give them courage in just a moment. Father, those that raised hands, either physically or in their heart even, before you... May you give them the courage to step out of their seat in just a moment and let a man show them from the Bible or a woman show them from the Bible how they can know for sure heaven's their home and settle that issue based on your promises. Give them courage, Lord.
And Lord, for those that are believers, help us now, Lord, to make decisions realizing that life is not a game. Because if it were, we could have that reset, second chance, or that do-over. But it's not. Lord, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, the music plays, you come. No one looking around, just where our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, we're prayerful. But if you need to come forward maybe to settle an issue in your life, maybe just to pray before God, maybe to bring someone else to the altar, you're welcome to do that. And when I say bring them to the altar, I mean bring their name to the altar. You and God, praying to God on their behalf. You're concerned about their soul, you're concerned about their life, and you just want God to be real to them. Maybe you bring them to the altar, so to speak, and just pray over them, pray for them. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, preacher. I don't have it settled. Come on, why don't you settle that today? Would you settle that? Would you come see me at the front? Just come shake my hand. I'll have someone show you from the Bible how you can know for sure heaven's your home. Listen, when you take your last breath, when the clock runs out on life, no second chance. No second chance. Won't you let someone help you today? Your mom, your dad. Maybe a grandma or grandpa even. And you're you're not maybe being that influence that you think you should be. You're not equipping like you ought to. You think, I could do a better job. I just, I've allowed myself to get kind of busy. I've allowed myself to get kind of overrun with activity. Why don't you come? Just say to the Lord, you know, Lord, with your help, I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to be more aware of it. And I'm going to take steps to equip, to educate, to enjoy, to experience my children. I'm going to take time to love my wife, my husband, to learn more about them, to live with them.